I'm Sam Seitels, and you're listening to The Pillars of Hamilton. And due to the nature of this specific episode with Nick G, I'm going to have to do my homework, which means I have to tell you, if you haven't liked or subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing? Hook me up, make my day, do me a favor, like, subscribe, all that jazz. I really appreciate it. In the meantime, thank you for joining me with this episode of The Dependent Independent, the man who, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be podcasting. That's right. He's the one who started it all for me. And not just that, Nick, after this conversation and the other ones we've had in the past, I just have to say, it's so good to have a friend like you, man. You're an interesting guy. This story's pretty wild. He goes on about how he fired 2,000 people. That's right. Nick has fired over 2,000 people, and now he's living a completely different life than he was just a couple of years ago. I'm going to stop talking and let him do the rest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the dependent independent, Nick G. I wouldn't be here right now if it weren't for the guy in front of me right now. If you don't know him, what are you doing? Why are you not subscribed to the Dependent Independent Podcast? Nick, what's up, brother? How you doing, buddy? What's oh, going man. on? It's, it's great good. to be here. It's good having you on this side of the table, my man. It's great to be here in the Love Shack, what, what this is. The Love Shack? <laughs> it's been called Should a few things. Should I get a disco ball in, in here, man? That would really be cool. Do you, you hang anything? So? Do you hang anything on those hooks right there? I'm going one thing at a time. Like I just oh, okay. put uh, Sue Murders, her her crows over there. Gotcha. Cool. Um, Ninja Turtle Arcade's coming in soon. But gotcha. you, I don't know if I'm going to do a disco ball though. All right, man. Just saying. All right, cool. Yeah, that's no, that, a real party. I could see your place having a disco ball. <clears throat> All right, great. That's a stretch for so me. What's up, dude? This is great. I'm. I'm. In, this is going to be fun. Come on, bro. Have we ever not had fun hanging out yet? <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Good times. But I don't think it would have been two years ago, Nick. Uh, I don't know if I would have loved the Nick of two years ago that I loved of today. When did we record that, our first show? It was definitely after you had changed, uh, and it was... Was it 2018 or 19? 19. It was only a six oh, was months ago. Oh, shit. Jesus, that feels a like lot, forever. Yeah, a lot's happened since then. Wow, dude. Awesome. But yeah, yeah much happier. You So for anyone who doesn't know, I was on his <laughs> show, and I thought to myself, hey, this is fun. I want to do this again. And he helped me out, uh, hired him, and here I am. But... You were a completely different person, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Well, I was the same person. I just didn't. Uh, uh, my mind wasn't as clear as it is now. You talk about, and I, I don't know if it was with Allison Gallagher. You talked about in what was your first episode. You talked about like she's a what she's afraid of. Or you asked, what, what are you afraid of? <clears throat> and the funny thing is, I'm not afraid of anything anymore. And I really, truly mean that. I'm, I'm abs. Maybe the one thing I'm afraid of is if my wife. Um, doesn't not trust that I can do what I'm doing, but that she loses faith in what I'm I'm trying to do. But not that it's debilitating. Like I mean, to tell your your listeners. Well, why don't you? Can I just tell them? I want you to tell them. Right, lay it funny. on them because it's a bit of a story, and it makes me very happy that you reach this part of your life. Thanks, man. Not everyone gets there. So, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about me. And I think it's fun being a pillar of Hamilton, which is cool. I thought it was really cool that you came up with that. Um, about uh, five, almost five years ago, uh, I decided uh, to start a podcast. And that podcast was going to be about basically a personal journal. It was going to be an opportunity for me to tell my stories. I was at a time in my life in a profession that I made these rules that I couldn't have friends and I couldn't make friends at work and I didn't have time to make friends at home and um, I was convinced that my job was to stay home and take care of the kids while my wife had fun and and was that was that something you actually told yourself or you just didn't you actually told yourself no you may not have friends no my it it just got to a point where it was too hard to make friends I mean people made friends at work and I was a human resources professional so I was a kind of a the hatchet man in my professional career and during 2007, probably up through 2011, eight to 2011, I must've fired like 2000 people. Like, <gasps> like, I mean, and organized massive layoffs and I was really good at it. Uh, you laid off face to face. No, I mean, part organized layoffs that were that in total. I didn't speak to everybody. I couldn't speak to everybody, but I was responsible for everyone. So most of the time, if let's say we had a hundred people that needed to be fired in a day, and my job was to coach eight people to do it. 
at the end of the day, even though they're telling them they're losing their job, I'm the one who then communicates with them after they lose their job. So most likely I was either if they're angry or they're... Yeah, do you ever have to look over your shoulder? No, I used to joke with my wife that there was going to be a time when my my tires would be popped or my uh, car would be keyed. There was one time I think it was, I was at that company and they had a, I I think they played CNN or C-SPAN on the news. There was a scroll at the bottom. And they said that an HR manager was killed after firing someone in India. And I remember I was like, Jesus. <laughs> there was a time, though, I did, lay, I did fire a guy. We laid off a guy who found Jesus during the time after we laid him off. And he was carrying a Bible around. And, and uh, even though we notified them 90 days before they, they lost their job, he lost it. Like, he completely, like, I had him in my office about an hour and a half. He, he told me that. The devil was talking to him, but he turned to Jesus. So Jesus told him that it was pretty intense. And no one knew what happened, but I really, there was one part in there that I thought I was going to get hurt. It was, it was one of those things that if I could go back and like pat myself on the back for dealing with that situation, I would. But no one saw what I did. No one saw how I calmed him down. No one saw what I said to him or heard what I said to him. People knew I was talking to him, but they didn't know the, at the <clears> level of what he was doing. Did your coworkers see you as someone who is very good at this? My, uh, my best friend... Uh, who was the founder of my podcast, the guy who, who's on my episode one. Uh, I call him, his name's Duarte Montiero, but I call him Dewey. Now, it seems I'm the, I call him Dewey, and then his mother-in-law calls him Dewey. It's the only two people that do that. So I have to be very careful now that he's a professional that when I'm talking about him, I don't Shout think. out to Dewey, your friend. My pal Dewey. So Dewey was in loss prevention. So I worked for a retail company during the recession, and my friend Dewey, uh, was a director in his area. I was a senior manager in my area. And I knew when you think about making friends and creating rules, I needed to, I was protecting myself. So I knew that if I made friends with him, I probably would never have to fire him because he was the only employee doing what he was doing and the company needed him. So that was a weird thing I said to myself, like, this is what I'm, I'm going to make friends with him because I can't make friends with anybody else because eventually I'll have to sit across the table and fire them and, and tell them that, you know, you can't go home. You don't kind of get a paycheck anymore. So... Uh, we built an interesting relationship, and he would, I remember he would ask me, him and his boss would ask me, like, Nick, how how you dealing with all this? And I was always real chipper, and what I kind of looked at it as a way, I, I looked at getting good at that. One is I like being good at something no one else was good at. Like, that to me was, that to me is the ultimate. Like, that makes me feel good. So I but was like. But wasn't there any point in your life, and not to say, like, what you were doing was bad. Like, that was a job. It needed to be done. But, <clears throat> I mean, letting someone go. Just one person, I think that would stick with me and, and really haunt me. The first one does, but then you just get numb to it. And then what happens is you get really good at it, Sam, and then you're like, wow, I'm absolutely valued because I'm the one that they believe is the only one who has the courage to sit in front of X, Y, and Z and tell them that they're losing their and, job. And what would you say made you good? Is it the way that... Just that repetition they, over and over again. You, well, when, No, no. What, what skills did you have? I just did it over and over again. Like the first one, I was nervous, this, the, and then it got easier and easier to a point where. So is the skill just being able to lay it, it on way. them? Think or? of it this way: it's like, like I don't know if if EMTs deal with this or cops deal with this. Is I know they deal with like if anyone is working at a company and has an HR person there that you know is responsible of doing this, you have to understand the toll it takes on somebody. I think people give HR people shit because they ask for paperwork and they they Nick. they. They share the Nick, rules. Nick. What? It's a family show, bro. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, right, Nick. Independent, dependent. If you're a grown up, listen to it. I can go back and you want me to. I can take that. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, dude. I'm gonna. Get, I'm gonna figure out how to believe it. <laughs> I was getting real comfortable. Uh, yeah. That. No, that makes me happy. Keep so going. People give them a lot of ba- hard times, and I think that you have to understand that they chose to do that job, and then they are asked to say and do things with employees that no one else wants to do as, as, as high up as I've, I've been in my, in my career and prior to leaving the corporate world and being an executive, you, you, the people even at the top don't have the courage to be able to do that. They hire people like HR people to, to tell people what they don't want to tell them because no one wants to tell anybody bad news. But after so you were doing the thing that nobody wants to do, and I it got to my head, and I got I got a rush out of it, and it was you got I, a rush out. Well, of here's it. in this one thing I definitely learned. You do know how that sounds, right? Yeah. Well, in a rush of not doing, not 
here's one thing that I was good enough at it that no one ever left me hating me. They knew that, remember, I didn't make those decisions. I delivered the message. Now, there were times when I made decisions and recommendations based on performance or anything. But in my career, a lot of people are laid off that shouldn't have been laid off because someone didn't like them or, I mean, and, and, and then it was my job once those decisions were made to keep the company out of court to make sure that the documents were together. And I didn't create any documents, but make sure. And then there were some times when late in my career, when I started realizing how difficult it was as I grew in my career, that even if someone said they wanted to fire Mike and I said, do you know, Mike, you can't do that. And the CEO slash president slash would say, well, I can do whatever I want and I'll deal with it. That's a hard part because terminating and laying people off, especially during the recession, was a necessity. But when you get to a point where people are fired and laid off because of a personality issue and there's no way that you can get the company to not do it and then you have to deliver the message, that's when the job gets real difficult. So even, okay, you're doing this on a regular basis. Are you happy? I was happy it wasn't me. No, no. Are you happy? Are you a happy person? No. It moved from being the one who could do it to almost convincing myself, like, is this what I'm going to do the rest of my life? Like, is this something that I'm going to be good at and be doing for the rest of my life? Was that always with you or just towards the end? No, I just knew that if this was the career I was choosing and I was good at this, is this, I guess what I was saying what I would say to myself is I'm good at so many other things like teaching people, coaching people, counseling people, guiding people, offering advice. But the one thing I would get attention for and my, I would build credibility in my career was that I was able to do things that say things that no one else could do. I couldn't do it. No, it's not, I couldn't do it. It's just, I had to ask myself, is this what, this is the value I add is this what I'm going to be remembered by? Mm. Like, is this my legacy? Like, I'm going to be the best hatchet man that is? To a point where I remember I was working with a resume coach, and I said, you know, I've organized, like, mass layoffs. Like, I mean, we're talking, Sam. These are, like, military operations. Like, everyone in the room. All right, everybody, in the next hour, we are going to lay off 150 people in three hours. You're all going to talk to somebody, right? And And we're talking, like, managing people over the phone, and, and, and this is how it's going to go, and, and this is what you're going to say, and here's the documentation. I need to collect it at a certain time. You need to call me if something happens, and then I'm the one who managed the entire thing. Like, we're talking at a, at a billion dollar, like $4 billion company. I'm the one who's organizing it, and it goes without a hitch. And then they come to me afterwards and say, great job. That was a great job you did that. I started looking at my career late in 17 and, and in 18 going, if I'm going to do this for the next 15, 20 years of my life, is, is that what I want to do? So I have to ask you, before we get into how the transformation happened and all, everything. That's cool, dude. By the way, I've never really said all that out loud. Like, Not on your own show? No, I don't talk about what I, I never talked about my job on my show. I didn't want my joke. Oh, I, we've talked about it so many times that I figured you had. Never. I, I, I didn't even say, why do you think I called, when I first started my podcast, My I, I would call myself Nick G because I didn't want anyone to know my last name was mm. because I was afraid it would hurt my career. No one cares. And then half the people at work started listening and it didn't really matter. Okay. But that's, again, that rule. I created a rule to say, well, I need to be anonymous because if I do that, it will ruin my career. <laughs> no. Yeah. No one cares. No one cares. And that's the thing. That's the other thing, too, is you start putting... Wait, wait, wait. Save that, because I know where you're going with that. We're going to save that for later. Uh, we're talking about some agreements we've made with ourselves. Um, <clears throat> but one more question about all that. How many years were you doing that? I started in management in sales when I graduated college in 2000. I was in management when I was in college. And then I did recruiting back when I was in door-to-door sales when I graduated college. Well, how long were you... F- Doing the firing? Uh, probably from 2002 to, yeah, 2003 to 2018, 16 years. I was okay. It's longer than I thought. Okay. With your new perspective on life that we'll get into, um, looking back on it, mm-hmm. how do you feel about that time? Are you proud? No, I had a, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine, and we, we talk about, my friend Dewey, and we talk about, uh, it's my spiritual contact every time I'm... I'd lose sight of being in the now in the moment or we've talked about on my show and I've got more into these things called we call it tricksters the the voices in your head that that tell you things that if you listen to them you're 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 in this you know rabbit hole of of unhappiness 
that if you learn to get past it, learn how to meditate. What would be a trickster in, in an <clears throat> average person's mind? Uh, you know what? No matter how hard you no, no matter how hard you do that, uh, you'll never be good enough. Or um, you know that your job is to fire people, but no one's going to like you doing that. So don't bother making friends at work. Any any just that voice. Yeah, um, I'm not going to um, be able to pay my bills next month uh, because I don't have you know ten thousand dollars in the bank right, right now. Uh, all these things that you that it, but it's it's all it's the brain just trying to preserve itself. It's just your own survival instincts trying to create scenarios either regretting what you did before or anticipating what really hasn't happened mm-hmm. when at the end of the day you get to a point you i have no control over that at all like I have no control what happens tomorrow i know where i'm going to be tomorrow but other than that man i'm playing it by ear yeah. like absolutely when i was in the career mode all i did was think about what was going to happen the meeting the assignment the employee i got to talk to everything counting the minutes and never, never did anything in the moment. And it ended up starting hurting my work because nothing happened in the moment. I wasn't making decisions in the moment. Uh, to answer your question, I'm sorry, kind of. Do you remember the question? It the was, it, uh, when like, how do you was, look back on it? Well, Are you it proud was, of the work that you did? Are you disappointed? Like, I'm, I'm, you- I'm proud, one, that I was able to do it and I provided for my family doing it. That's funny. That's like some a hitman would say. You know what? We put food on the table. But you did. But you did. That's right. No, I mean, I did it because I was, I mean, that's the path I was on. It wasn't the path I was destined. But the one regret I have when I look back is if I was truly a compassionate person, I never would have done that. Like that's not a – I wouldn't have done that. That's what it really taught me, that if I was truly compassionate, Sam, I wouldn't have done that. I would have said, you know what, I, I'm going to do another job. But I really pushed to get good at that. Do you find yourself to be a truly compassionate person in your life now? Now I just can't help but I cry a lot. Do like, you really? Like, it's weird. Like, like how often? Like, what was I watching on TV? Oh, there was a moment. I was watching... Golden Girls? No, I've been, I don't know if you're a Breaking Bad, bad fan. Psh, come on, bro. Okay, so, so I hadn't seen the show. I watched it once, a, you know, a decade ago and then said to myself, I can't watch that show again. Like, that, that is the experience. So El Camino comes out, which is Jesse... I saw it. Pinkman. So the show, it's really specific, and I'm, and I'm saying, well, wait, I don't remember those things. So I started about two and a half weeks ago, or since El Camino came out. I binge-watched. I just finished episode, the last episode last night. Okay. And then I watched El Camino again today. So there was this moment at the, in the final, uh, the penultimate episode, where finally Skyler, which is Walt, Walter White's, yeah, Walter White's Not a fan. Wife. Uh, is pushed by her sister-in-law to tell Walt Jr. that his father is a you know uh, crystal meth chemist and mastermind crime syndicate guy. And when she confronts them at home, her son, there's, Skyler pulls a knife on Walter, pushes Walt, it's really awesome, pushes Walt Jr. behind her. And she slashes the knife, cuts Walt's hand, and which ensues where then Skyler and Walter are wrestling on the floor. And if you've seen the show, Walter Jr. has um, cerebral palsy and, and he's got crutches. He push, he tackles his father and then he protects his mother. And that kind of, I welled up at that. Like that kind of gave me a thing where that took an enormous amount of courage to turn your back on your father to protect your mother. And the fact also that he was this poor kid. So not till that point was pushed. I just look at people. Are you just ultra emotional right now? Or like, are you, are you only crying during TV shows and Lion King? No, there's certain things. There's certain things. No, I mean, that's, you know, what really broke me up. The beauty and the beast like movie, the kids were sleeping and I was, I was bawling. It's just, there's moments, there's moments when, and every Pixar movie, but that's the thing. But now it comes from a very compassionate... Bro, when, not compa- when Woody separate. Oh, wait. I don't want to spoil no, I, it. No, no. Mm. But not, it's the it's not that. And the kids joke because they always look at their dad, you're crying. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the... When I say, think about compassion, it's understanding that before I'm... I, I'm not quick to judge people anymore. I'm not quick to immediately think I know what someone else is thinking rather than putting an enormous amount of judgment out to somebody or, or, you know, someone cuts me off or someone's a, not really nice when they talk to me at, uh, you know, a customer service person. I'm not there to, and this, we'll talk about the agreements. It's, it's the, the, uh, my first example is, well, I don't know what they're going through, but I really hope that they make it through the day or, 
I used to do, I, it's funny because people like do nice things for people. And I think sometimes people do nice things for people out of guilt. And I don't think it comes from a true place. I think some people sometimes do nice things because they want to know that they don't want anyone judging them, that they're not nice. That happens. I do nice things. And I'm not the nice, I do, I try to do nice things, but I'm not the nicest person anymore. And I used to say that, dude. I was like, oh, I'm so nice and kind and compassionate. No, I'm not. I'm not really. I, You're not? I don't know if I if I help people the way they want to be helped. Like I know people like I'm I'm never I'm not a gift giver. Sam, I'm not my wife and I differ that way. When it's Christmas time, it's everyone gets a gift. Like if my wife wasn't around, no teacher would get a gift. Like no one would get a gift. I know cuz remember when I was on your show and I brought a gift? Oh, I was blown away by it. And I still have I mean that but you didn't I don't deserve <laughs> that. Like that's that's I don't I don't um you don't deserve that. No, that was a very meaningful gift. It was a. That we is really need to get into it. Okay, but that on. is different. That is different. That what you gave me was something that that meant. That actually was a very special gift because it meant something at that very moment in my in my life. Like that. That's something that that like. You know, I was binge listening to the book, and you you would you heard me talk about it. I don't mean that. I mean like 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 everyone gets a gift, and it sound makes me sound very shallow. But like dance teachers get gifts and every teacher gets a gift and everything this gift. And, and I, I don't know if, like to me, I rarely give gifts, but if I give a gift, it has to mean something very meaningful to them. And I don't, and by the way, I don't want people to ever judge me and think I don't, you know, Nick doesn't, like I've never thought that. Like I didn't buy, when I used to travel for work, for, for work, I never brought my kids a gift. Like when I go, I don't give, I don't buy shit. I oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> I can't just leave that word. Just leave that word. Oh, man. I love, by the way, I love your, your episode on curse words. That was a Sorry. great episode on yeah, but the, that. That was all right. Independent dependent. Sorry, dude. D- dude. You're getting into it, dude. It's okay. Bring it. When, when you. Uh, In a PG-13 kind of way. I, I just never, I don't do that. Like that to me, that's so cliche. It's like, yeah, I understand. I hear and my what you're kids, saying. And I've talked 100%. to my, and I've talked like, to my, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to come back from my vacation, give them a gift from wherever I travel. And I look at my kids and I'll ask them, Abby, my, my, my daughter, Abby and my, my son, Nate, I'll say, do you guys mind that I don't bring you stuff? Or, I mean, we have this thing where like, oh, it's just tchotchkes guys that end up in the basement that we end up throwing away in, in, in six months. What, what is meaningful to you? Now it is tough because now my kids are like, my son it's like in his shoes. And I had like Tom McCann's when I grew up. They were like, you know, $30, $40 sneakers my father bought me. And my son's like, yeah, you knew Steph Curry's are out. And, and I don't want to be the, the, the dad that's like, no. But, but I, I just hope my son's not on this path of like vanity and, and it's the material. It just burns through it. You know, it, I, I wouldn't mean, fight that. I would, I would, I would. Yeah. You're right. I don't. I don't. But I, I'm not going to ignore the fact that I'm like, I, again, by the way, that comment about Tom McCann, it's not that I, I want my kids to have the same thing I have, but I look at is there's sacrifices involved on spending $125 on a pair of shoes every, you know, four or five months when my son's shoes. Really, dude? That's what you spend? That's how much your shoes cost, dude. And then you, maybe you get a coupon. It's over $100 for I'm a ne- pair of sneakers. I'm never, I'm never letting my kids listen to this episode. There's no way that's But happening. mind you, though, good sneakers are that much money. Like even the sneakers I wear, but mine, my feet aren't growing. Like my feet, I get to wear my sneakers forever. Yeah. Like these, these shoes. Yeah, there's. Like it's like these, what, like these, four months, five months. I mean, like, Nate's getting big. Nate's getting big. Nate's but getting maybe, big. maybe it's. But that's wrong. See, but the the flip side, the compassion should be is my son is good. It, it gives my son joy. So okay. why would I deny that? Okay, we got we got to go to what what impacted you because here's what I love. Well, you asked me. Did I said? Uh, can I tell you something real quick? Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm hogging your show. Uh, this wouldn't—I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. And let me tell you something. I've enjoyed watching your journey, um, and I've told you this before. When I first met you, and I knew that you had read the Four Agreements, and that you were trying to follow uh, that kind of philosophy. Now, Sam, if I could stop you for your listeners, they might not know we've mentioned agreements, and now you've you've given the title. I bet you can't tell me who wrote it. Oh, I could. Can it's like you, Don Miguel, Miguel Puez, or, or something. something. Yeah, it's a uh, his name a million times. It's a very small, short book uh, that talks about um, the, the the discovery of this wise man. I mean, it, when you first read it, it's it, it's almost you, it's almost dated. Like it's a history book about some some Guatemalan you know spiritual guy that realizes that that the world is uh, hell. 
it's hell on earth basically like but every day we wake up and we make agreements with ourselves that guide us so if i make an agreement that i can't make friends in my 40s then i don't make friends in my 40s like that's basically it and i made so when i mentioned earlier about making rules all those were were agreements i can't make friends at work because if i do i'll have to fire them so were those some of your main ones that you realized that you had made with yourself well I, not till just this moment that i realized <laughs> <laughs> that i realized and then coming s- up with realization and then say that to you it's the fact that on the pillars it's the fact that i made I made those um, rules, and I've talked about a lot on my podcast, the Dependent Independent Podcast, about creating rules and then learning how to break them. Like sometimes you can actually break them. But again, that that book, and I'll let you explain a little bit more from your perspective about what the the book actually talks about. Okay. Well, here's the difference between me and you is that I read that book about nine years ago. And it impacted me so much. I went on to read other stories, uh, other self-help books, other similar, you know, ideological type books. But I definitely took those four agreements and I ran with them. I, I changed my life so much so that like I can't talk about the four agreements now. It's been like nine years since I've read it. I'll look over it. But I practiced it so hard those first few years that I am who I am today because of uh, the lessons I learned in that book. Now, the cool thing about you, man, of me hanging out with you is that when I first met you, it was still pretty new to you. And I saw it. I saw me in you when I was a few months in where it's like, man, this makes sense and I'm going to make it work. And here you are now. And I've known you for about a half a year now, maybe a little bit longer. And you are living it like I'd say 10 times more where it's less of a, a thing in the back of your mind. It's like, okay, this is that agreement. This is just who you are. And that's what I was telling you about six months ago. It's like, I, yeah, I read that all those years ago and I appreciate it. And it's where I am today. I don't think about it anymore. It's just you learn these concepts and you forget them sometimes and you sway. And uh, But in the end, if, if you keep it in the core of who you are, you're going to live a really good life. And they the the agreements are simple. It's, it's not a... It, it might be in the self-help section of the bookstore, and it I think it comes in both Spanish and English, but it's a it's a quick read. It's only about 200, maybe 200 pages. Uh, I remember listening to the audiobook last year, and I've talked about it on my show uh, about a year ago. I had about a depression that probably around now was the lowest I was, and the best way to get myself out of it after that book being referred to by another friend of mine that I listened to it. Over, binge listen to it over and over and over again on the way to work, on the way home. So probably about every two and a half days, I got two and a half trips to work. I got through it. And then uh, I just kept, like, I remember the guy's voice. I remember sections of the book. Wait, wait, you just repeated it over and over I just again? played it on Audible over and wow. over again. Wow. What were you feeling when you were listening to this for the first, second, third Well, time? the scary part is, is I tried to then suddenly now compare it to what me at work. So... Uh, one of the there's 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 four, we keep saying four agreements. They the book talks about all these agreements that we might make with ourselves that dictate. And then one of the examples they do, and I love telling people, it's the easiest thing to relate to is uh, they kind of give a scenario where a woman comes home. Yeah, a woman comes home and she um, she uh, has her daughter. She's had a really tough day at work, a stressful day at work. She comes home and her daughter is dancing and singing on the couch. And she's stressed, and, and the last thing she wants to, and I'm sure you might have kids, and, and uh, they may know how to push your buttons, but sometimes they're enjoying themselves, and that sometimes might, might push your buttons or at a time when you're, you're, you're most stressed. So the woman uh, immediately yelled at her daughter and said, stop dancing, and, and you're a terrible singer. And the unfortunate thing is just by saying that to her daughter, her daughter created an agreement in her head that, she, yes, because her mother says she is a bad singer, that unfortunately she can't sing. So she never sang. She stopped singing then. Now, that uh, that agreement is uh, be impeccable with your word. And I'll kind of walk through it, and, and for Sam's benefit too, so he doesn't have to repeat it, that the four agreements are, uh, number one, uh, like I said, be impeccable uh, with your word. Uh, they, they talk at examples about... Uh, uh, world leaders that never raised a fist or pulled a gun on anyone and were able to drive create mass genocide in, in nations and drive people to do horrible things and and when it says be impeccable with your word it means be without sin 
I want you guys to really try and understand how powerful a word is. I've talked about it on my show. My father used his words to, to uh, kind of put me in a box when I was a kid and kind of get me to think certain things. And that's where that kind of that stigma of rules came into effect when it's just self-preservation. But the fact that how when people get together, do you ever realize how like over the summer when I would go to like pool parties and stuff, it's so crazy how people don't talk about themselves. They spend so much time talking about other people and and, and understanding the universe. You don't think people talk about themselves? No, I mean, no, not, not like that. Like, I've spent a lot of time just to, just listening. That's one thing too. The this whole year has taught me to just stop and listen. You don't mm, have to do a lot so much important. talking. But when you hear what people say about people, how people are quick to judge people, and I, I just don't do that anymore. I don't. It's not something that, and I've been such so conscientious about how much the energy that I put in the universe because it pays me back tenfold. It does, and I'll really explain does. how that works. So be impeccable with your word is one. The other one is don't take anything personally. And I think it's so psychotic how everyone takes everything personally from from just someone disagreeing with your you you um I don't know what show it was on but you, you were talking about it might have been with Ellen Loletta you talked about if you have respect and no. passion for others you still can respect each other's opinion you I think know, disagreeing I mean, is a beautiful thing but but we're not in a world anymore that that. We want everyone to think the way we think. Isn't that weird that people have a really tough time, like almost as if it's a fight if you disagree no, with someone? it's scary. It's scary. Why would I Why would I want to put myself – it's like high school. Why would I want to put myself on an island, Sam? I want you to agree with me, so I'm, I'm, it's safety in numbers. But I would want to grow, and if you have a, a better no, idea than me, bring but it. But you and I are not like everybody else because other people don't do that. They, don't, they would rather be the norm. They would – to be an individual on an island – and I've always been an individual on an island – whether I put myself on it or the kids in school put me on it. So I know how it is to be different, but people are terrified with that. And I think as a, it's like if you're in a room and someone says, you know, Bob's a, Bob's an a-hole and, and, and suddenly people are like, yeah, you know what? No one's going to defend Bob. Like who, def- isn't that a shame? Like no one defends Bob. Dude, I, I don't want to sound like a hero or anything. Bob's a good guy. Yeah. I'm defending Bob. <laughs> so Bob's a good guy. Is Bob a good guy? <laughs> no, I don't know. All right. If he's you know, not, you know, then he's, yeah, he's you on know, his own. You know Bob's not a real guy, right? Okay, good. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> My mind is blown. <laughs> so uh, don't take anything personally. And, and, and it's really, like Sam had said before, it took you some, some time to think about that or to, to understand and make that agreement with yourself. One of the things the books really talk, talks about is how much will it takes to actually do it. I'm and, sure it's different for each person. But you have to take, it took me months to get conscientious enough to go when, when like my wife said something and, and, I t- and I found a normal thing my wife might have said, a critical thing, where I immediately took it personally and it stayed with me, right? That doesn't happen anymore because I just, and I'm not using my wife as an example, but... Because my wife, obviously, I'm, I'm, I can improve. Um, but when people say something to me or any type of critique that you, you don't, you, we're always suddenly conditioned to internalize things. And the fact that uh, that's just, again, our preservation to overthink. Like we were talking about that before. Like you, you might have said something that didn't go well with someone and then you internalize that. But what you do is all you do is steal time from yourself. You know, you... you you mean like after a, a conversation or just an interaction with someone, yeah. you start thinking about it and like, oh, it yep. was awkward Doesn't or matter. I said the wrong thing. Doesn't matter. It's like, done. It's over. Yeah, and that's, but I had a friend tell me that. I was complaining about work. The gentleman who turned me on to the four agreements, a gentleman named Chuck who owns a brewery in, uh, in Clarksboro. Shout out to Chuck. Chuck, uh, Chuck Garrity owns uh, Death of the Fox. You should definitely check that out. It's a great, it's a coffee shop and a... Uh, and a brewery and the bathrooms were just newly painted by a professional painter. Is it in Hamilton? No, it's in Clarksboro. Oh. It's, uh, it's about, yeah, it's about 45 minutes away. Pillars of Hamilton. What? I'm sorry, dude. Whatever. <laughs> Get out of Hamilton. So uh, taking things personally, it's it's gotten to a point now where it doesn't nothing. I can't. I just can't take something personally. It's not because the alternative, I've learned, Sam, the alternative is the stress, the the heavy thoughts, the overthinking 
the tricksters in my so head. So those those were fully prevalent in your head all, all the time. I, I'd be ago. in a business meeting, and, I, and someone, my CEO, would make a critique about something I, I did. Was, and I, I feel I, so lucky that I read that book at a young age. Not that I'm saying this book is like the end all. Like you read this and you're no, a change person. Of, it seems to be a, it seems to be one that a lot of people have read. Yeah, it just resonated with me at the time. I was in New York City. I was in the subway. I was just trying to read something to make me feel. Good. I don't know. And no, you know what? It was someone recommended to me. And as soon as I read it, I was like, this, this makes sense. And it worked for me. Well, my show helped out. We had Chuck on our podcast and it was a time when I really, my friend Duarte was really looking to turn me into spirituality because he saw me making this kind of shift, seeing that I was unhappy at work. So, uh, so that was it, huh? You had this job. This job that was very, I mean, yeah, it, lucrative. I would good. say, yeah, yeah, yeah I saw your eyes. Yeah, lucrative. Yeah, and, hey, man, uh, I was, I'm, I was good at what I did. Like I was really good at what I did. Yeah, and, and uh, um, really good at a job that people would really probably hate to do. And people paid me to do it, and yeah. it's crazy. So, um, the be impeccable with your word. Uh, I don't want to. I want to get to that. I just. I don't. I want my, the audience to hear the the agreements. And uh, don't take anything personal. Don't uh, don't make assumptions. That's the other thing too. When we make an assumption, and they 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 use an example of a, a short guy. I think it. This might not be in this book, but yet it, it's it's it relates to that young guy, balding guy with glasses. Great personality, great person to talk to. But he was under the impression, and his assumption was that no women, beautiful women, would like me because I'm short. And he would go to a bar, and a beautiful woman would talk to him and want to have a conversation with him, but he'd basically sabotage it because in his agreement was that this woman is out of my league. And uh, I was there before. Like, there's people in, I mean, you know people that are in relationships where they make an assumption that I'll never find the right man, and every person they date is like a making assumptions. And that's the thing, too, of making assumptions that I'll never be good at this, or those are the things. I think that's a powerful one. And then the the fourth one, which kind of rolls them all up is, is uh, do your best. And it's not about and this is that resonated, too, because in my head, I was, I always excelled in ways of saying, I'm going to be the best X, like the best podcaster, the best uh, HR person, the best coach, the best manager, the best leader, the whatever. And uh, rather than understanding of being your best, doing your best, and, and, and they use an example in the book about it, it doesn't mean that you have to win everything. But if you come home exhausted and all your kid wants to do is sit with you and read a book, just the effort, making the effort to do that with every ounce of energy you have is about being doing your best. It doesn't have to be the greatest. And it's helped me out in my new career now as an entrepreneur of understanding and believing that I'm good at what I do. Like really believing, not, and I don't need anyone's validation. That's the other thing too. It's the old Nick would have looked for validation. You know, I checked out downloads or wanted, wanted, um, uh, this last year I spoke at a, a podcast conference for the third time and I, I rocked it. Like, but this time when I spoke, it, it was about me. Like it was me channeling me. Not about me trying to sound like I knew what I was talking about or or putting any pressure. I was me, and it I was my best self up there. And it, it takes time, and it's a shame. It's such a shame, and I've learned this not sitting in an office, on how there's so many people out there that are doing what they think they have to do versus what they want to do. I am absolute, and I can say this, after a year, I left a upper six-figure salary job where I could probably go anywhere to make that money. Not upper. Uh, <laughs> We're talking like 600000 a no, year? No, 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 not upper, but but close to... Uh, you better go back to that. So if it's six figures, <laughs> a, yeah. a, a little bit, a, a decent amount okay. higher than that. Okay, so you're um, doing good. No, you know, like 3.2 million. No, I, to... I was a highly paid executive, a highly paid executive. Got money it. wasn't an option. We we could I could go out and to... Uh, wasn't an issue. No, I could go out to you know the chop house and blow six hundred dollars on dinner. It didn't matter. No. Um, but in deciding that 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 wasn't the path for me, can I tell you something? Can I reveal something? Please keep your clothes on. It's <laughs> <laughs> the way you were looking at me, dude. Oh, bro. What's up, Sam? Yeah, those eyes. What do you want? What are, what are, what are, <laughs> no, no. I just remember uh, I didn't know too much about you at the time, and I remember hearing about you because I was like. Who's this guy? Like I was really yeah, in a podcast, you, yeah. and, I, and I saw you at that one event where you were hosting. And I am see sometimes in town. If ha- local Hamiltonians, you've seen me at the Peach Festival, and I know I'm on. Uh, I, I'm going to say this. God, you are quick to plug. You are good with this, man. What? You're just like boom. Well, no, I'm seeing is I, I've 
that's the thing, and I've DJed some events. And you, you could, we Dude, should. Me and you, take one. We should do. I don't know if you want a couple one, the ten, two. You want to? We could do a tag team there. Are you kidding me, bro? The Hammond Ten. You ready for that? What were we talking about? Where was it you, going? You were uh, going to reveal something to me. And yes. Um, I remember someone coming up to me who will remain anonymous, telling me like, "Yeah, that guy Nick. He like really just like blew it. He like left this really high paying job." And that was like the thing. Like that's why I learned about you. Is like you're like this guy who just like someone said to that. Change. Is it? Well, you don't have to tell me what. Is this someone who knows me personally, or no. someone who knows me? No, really? Just just a herd. Oh wow, like, cool. Yeah. That's always you know what's always impressive. What always makes me smile is when my f- no when people talk about me. It's not that either good nor bad. It doesn't matter because I can't control what how people perceive me. But I'm always flattered when people mention my name. Bro, I'm talking trash about you every day, so you should be... Th- nah. Thanks. That's why yeah, my ears no, are ringing. You, people talk about you, man. And I, I remember coming to this town. I moved here in 2000, 2011 in um, uh, October, Memorial Day weekend, I think. If I think, Yeah, in May. And at the time, I had tried to start a lacrosse, uh, youth lacrosse program. That was the first time when I got into Facebook and building communities in Facebook because I'm pretty prevalent. I do a lot of stuff on social media for clients. And I one of my things, again, those rules, my agreement was my wife's been teaching in this town for so long. I need to do something to add to the community. And how now that I look back, that's another thing too, man. That's cool. I actually did something. I actually went and did that, failed, did the podcast, succeeded was able to be part of your success, Alan's success, emceeing stuff, and people, you know, now I'm a, I'm a professional painter, and, and all because I just, and that's really about putting yourself out there. Like, when I talked about, you know, HR professionals having courage, because they have to do things that other people don't want to do, but if you're truly going to leave a legacy in the world, you have to have the courage to put yourself out there. You said something, and I've read about this in some business books too, in a previous show, Sam, you talked about, you know, if you're going to do something, do it. You can go to classes. And, and I think that's just, that's a safe way of doing it. Like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Let me go to a couple business classes and stuff. No, just do it. And and not until I, I realized that I was to, cre- you know, I left that lucrative job, but we created three forms of revenue. Like three, I was coaching when I, gra- when I graduated, listen to me, when I left corporate, people were paying me a hundred dollars an hour just as a business coach. Cause I still have 20 years of business experience. I mean, that's one thing is great. I not only started a business, but I also have 20 years of experience about what to do and what not to do as a business leader, as a, as a person. Um, you know, when you and I met and talked about you running the preschool, I have an idea about, you know, it's not like I was completely ignorant of what it means to run a school, you know, of what you got to deal with and personalities. And, uh, I just look at it through a different set of eyes rather than just some, someone who's fairly ignorant, passionate, but ignorant, not knowing exactly what they need to do. So I know the right questions I need to ask. Um, but in losing my job and realizing that I'm able to do something different and not only, it, it, a lot of it is branched off from my podcasting. I mean, if I hadn't podcasted, I, I wouldn't be here. Like, not here. I know. Yeah, that. that's for sure. <laughs> but I just wouldn't have learned about myself. So my podcast mm. is, a, is a, a journey. It's a 200-episode podcast journey about my life in my 40s. Now, I started it in my late 30s, but now I've told most of my stories of the past. Now I'm telling most of the stories of what I deal with now. And it's a short show now. It used to be a lot bigger when I had guests on, but now it's just really me sharing uh, an experience I've had and it's something I can learn from that can get you and other listeners. To well, it's not phone. bigger. It's, it's, you mean it's shorter in length. It's shorter, yeah. yeah it used, used to be I mean, uh, real robust, but, but it, it's, it's, the way, it's tough because my schedule, it's not, you know. Well, no, I, in my opinion, because I'm a fan of the show and I listen every single week. Like, yeah, I like I, when you send me messages. It makes me feel good. Thanks. Well, yeah. Well, they're honest, man. And I really I wouldn't listen to your show if I didn't enjoy it every week. If I was uh, your friend, I would probably not talk about the show if i wasn't enjoying it but no it's that's what's so funny too you know i have friends and family that no one they don't it's it's funny how no 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 okay there i have a theory about that my friends and family don't listen to my show i think that it's hard for especially family someone you're really close with to listen to your show because they know you so well and it's almost like listening in on them on this private conversation hmm. or just that's my theory because cool. I, like I have it. people who absolutely love me who just I, they won't listen to my show um, and I have, perf- I have a lot of strangers who listen to my show. So, you know, there you go. Um, yeah, I get it. No, you're right, though. I, that's an interesting perspective. I didn't think exactly how what you just said. It's just m- most of the stories I tell my wife has already heard it. So it's not like 
you know, my family's going to hear something <laughs> they haven't heard already. They've heard all these already. What, what started off this? I was telling about how I made the transition from the, the corporate side to then building three businesses, but I hadn't, I wouldn't have been here if I didn't start as a podcaster because my podcasting in the 200 episodes has allowed me to really talk about uh, myself and in a way that if you listen to my show now versus when if you listen to it in 2015 and 16 uh, to Sam's point when he started the show when he talked about two years ago I mean try four years ago I wasn't really I was the same person but I wasn't as clear in my own head I was very reserved I was timid I, I didn't there's a lot of things I didn't share which I should have shared uh, I yeah those tricksters and yeah, they were I mean, in your, when you have tricksters in your head it's they're always there. It's not like, you know. But you don't really know what you. Times. But the other thing is like what you're constantly, again, when you look into the future, you're, you're what do I want to be rather than just saying, what am I, why don't I just be what I am now? Like it, we come up with so many assumptions and scenarios of what we're going to be. Someday I'll be rich. Someday we, we watch HGTV and see these giant shows, uh, houses, and we see all these things and, 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 and. You you convince yourself that someday I'll do this. I, I did a show about playing the like winning the lottery, and it's it's funny because people say you know when I win the lottery, I don't play the lottery. Like if I want to, I'll play the lottery. But it's so funny how even if I don't even play the lottery, I might say in a normal conversation, yeah, I'll get that when I win the lottery. But I'm not playing it, so I'm completely lying to myself. It's never going to happen. If I choose to do that, like if I choose to live in a you know two million dollar house, I can do that. I absolutely can do that, but I have to change a lot of things. Like you can do anything you want, but you have to be real to yourself and say, what do I want to do and what's important to me? You know, I see these. And then the big step is to go for it. I I think uh, whatever I've been successful in my life. I like what you shared. We talked about it on our show too is – is this legacy that you had to, and I, I, that was a lot. I even said that, like a big legacy you took over. Huge. You took a brand over. It's not like you took a school over. It's like a, a, a legend. Yeah, you took a brand over, but then that was such an amazing opportunity to do things different. And then you make it your own. And when I see on a float, Dressed as that <laughs> that guy from Moana. That was awesome. Let's like, talk about that. Like, that Let's, was an awesome. Sam, d- that, that was, was a great a, moment, wasn't it, dude? It was so cool seeing you up there. And I'm like, I know him. I said to my kids, "That's Sam." And he, it was awesome to see you. Like that was you owned it, man. That was great. Like it was you, me as Moana shouting out, "Nick, that was, independent, dependent." <laughs> that, that was you so, are a demigod. That was so. It was so awesome what you uh, uh, that you did that. That was so really great that you did that. I think it was very very cool and. And uh, best is yet to come, brother. But you, but in in I guess, I I don't listen to my podcast, and I share a lot of things on the show. That it's really more of a legacy to leave behind for my kids, and and I plan. I'm not a. I've always wanted to write a book, but to write an outline is a pain in the butt. So I think I'll just use the show as a way to put things together, transcribe them, and then and then uh, either put a blog out when I'm done. But I want to make sure that that uh, I I'm I'm conscientious about how I've grown on the podcast or in my life because and and again what you don't hear on the show is what happens around those experiences that I share you know in in starting in in saying when you're good at something and people pay you a lot of money and then you don't want to do it anymore you when I before I left corporate I, I tried to like go into a lower job I thought maybe if I have a less a job with less responsibility I'd be happier and all I realized is one is no one hires a, an executive to do a lower job. That it's the I feel if you are listening to this and you are a highly paid like senior person manager, forget the highly paid. I know I keep saying that you're just you have a lot of responsibility, and you don't want it anymore. Employers cannot fathom that. They can't understand that. They think they hire you, and trust me, this is from years of experience. They think if they hire a vice president to do a manager's job, eventually they'll want the, their job. And that's a shame. That's a shame. Even that rule, like that assumption, is garbage. Because then now you've created a... a, So now you're a prisoner. So it became, I was a prisoner to my career. I cannot do anything else other than this. And when, thank the Lord, on December 3rd, it'll be one year till I sat with my CFO, who sat with me and said, Nick, in two days we're going to sit with you and we're going to fire you. And that was the day that I realized I'm out, like I'm out. And 
And the fact that that happened and the fact that I decided that I didn't want to go back, that was a hard, hard, hard pill to swallow for my entire family. And biggest was my wife. It was so difficult because everyone said to me, well, when you're so, when you're good at something, why would you want to stop doing it? Who said that to you? My family. They all pretty much said it. No, but why would you stop doing that? And I, and I, my response was always like, why do I need to be a prisoner to what I'm good at? Like, why do I have to that's say? That's not a good argument or the, from them. That's not a, a good point at all. What but you ag- need to say is if, if, if you love something so much. But again, it's not, but that's where even family, just the norm, people don't think that way. They're, most people in the world, they do it because they think they have to. Yes, and, and I don't. I gotta or, pay or, the bills. I gotta feed the kids. Or they said, "Well, to be honest with you, I've been doing what I love for a year, and I've been paying the bills. So, like, that's boom, boom done." But they they convince themselves that again, like it'll happen later. When I talked about the, you know, win the lottery, I'll be happy doing what I like to do after I'm done. I think someone said that to me too. Like, <laughs> do it after, and I go, "But, but I'm gonna, I could die tomorrow." Like, like what, what, why do, I, why must I? Uh, why must I have to, again, create a rule or an assumption that I'm going to be happy next week when I could be happy today? Beautiful, man. I couldn't agree more. Um, and here you are. It's like you were firing people, and now you're doing nothing but help people. Some of the people that you're helping now, the very new show, uh, Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups. Yeah. Can, we, can we talk a little bit about this? Yeah, so, I, so we mentioned before that I believe it's your previous show. Ellen Laletta, she's a uh, she lives in Hamilton, and she engaged me through Facebook. I believe she was looking for a podcast coach. Uh, a decent amount of people recommended me, and she and I met, and we got together and realized that Ellen is a CRNA, so she's a certified anesthetist. She created this Facebook page that has about a little bit over five thousand followers and you need to be a crna mom so it's a it's a a group that you have to be accepted and i actually tried to join the group today as the only man to join the group but there are questions i couldn't answer their questions so i failed denied (laughs) they know if they got it they would be like what are you doing they already told me i can't join it but so what she wanted to do was use a podcast in a way to be able to uh communicate some of the lessons and things that people share anonymously on the page now it's it's fun i've never done this is the first time I'm doing three people in three different locations. Talking on a microphone is one thing, but podcasting is truly a craft. It's truly something that you you can be good at. Sam's good at it. Sam works at it. You thank you. But what do you mean, though? I really appreciate that coming from it's not the just master. The, it's, not just, but, it's not just knuckleheads. Like It's a craft of understanding how to have a conversation that's compelling with someone to draw things out of you. And Sam's asked me a lot of questions in here that has gotten me to... He's pulled things out of me, and which I didn't realize. I, to be honest with you, I had no idea we'd be talking all about that work. Like I, I that's cool. I've never talked about that on a podcast before. Well, it's uh, fascinating about to me, my man. job, dude. It's so huge. I feel so lucky that I get to do what I love my entire career. I never even experienced yeah. not doing something. And it's that okay I love. that you've changed paths, right? It's okay you haven't but done everything. My path has only gone towards something greater. It was like teaching and then owning a school. But like for you. Some people never break free. They're stuck in that. Wherever it is that is their jail cell, that they have to stay in there for eight hours a day to pay the bills and, and make dude, sure. Dude, I, I fired them. Like, I, I saw, I, not until I got, not until I got, I hit depression when I was depressed last year that it started affecting my work that I realized every time, and mostly men in their 40s, that suddenly they were good at what they did. And then suddenly they were bad at what they did. They made mistakes. They, and I sat with their manager and coached them and said, yeah, did Bob ever, has this ever happened to Bob before? No, Bob just keeps missing deadlines and deadlines. And then, and then suddenly I'm sitting across the table from Bob going, Bob, we coached you. It's really not working out. And then suddenly you see on LinkedIn, Bob's at another job or Bob went and started his own business. And, and I was like, that's weird. And not until now did I realize that it's, just this rut, this and this massive midlife crisis I, I've talked about on my show that I had last year that completely changed the way. Like if I'm going to spend the next half of my life doing something, why do I have to do it in a way that it's it's destined? Like it's already made. I don't. Why do I have to do that? And and it, you can't. I, when when I mentioned before that I listen more. When the family's together after this happened, 
and and I started trying to figure myself out. You know, before in June when I started my painting company, I Heart Painting, in in town, and and again I've been painting since I was a kid and passionate about painting and now it's amazing that i was i almost regret the fact that i didn't start it 10 it years blows ago. my mind how much you love it i i look at you i'm like how is I he enjoying ten, that? i did 10 years ago it was just it's just amazing but it took me six months after losing my job to figure it out like it, you know that's that it took me that moment a moment in time to be like you know what i think i could do that when the family would get together it was very difficult to listen uh because they would just make undermining like comments that it sounded like they were talking to me yeah like like how could you you know, yeah. I think one family member said. I'm sure. Uh, one family member said, "You know, you're not supposed to like your job." Someone said, "Like, you're supposed to be miserable at your job from time to time." And I'm like, and I, I and I don't, I don't want to get into a debate. All mm. I need to do is show them, and I, I hear much beautiful, le- much less of that now. But now it's like not even a thing. I mean, that's, it's not even a thing. That's a win, man. Anyway, that, that's fantastic, man. I'm chewing up your time, bro. We're out of time. But there's always time for the chat pack. Oh, yeah, the chat pack. Oh, cool. We didn't get to half of this, but uh, yeah. Oh, I got to pick it? You pick it, bro. Okay. Chat pack. You want me to read? You read? I'll read. Now you read it, man. If you could create an all-new theme park based on a theme that, to the best of your knowledge, has never been used, what would be the theme park Are you ready? of your choosing? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Do you know I thought about this two hours ago? Shut up. You ready? What? So a snack. You thought about this two hours ago. So a snack before I got here. Uh, <laughs> my son and I both had bowls of cereal. He, my son's on a honey bunch of oats kick, which I, I, I was on a kick when I was a kid. My father used to buy that all the time. But I'm, I, I'm a big fan of Lucky Charms. So uh, mm. I thought, you know, Lucky Charms is. At first, I was like, you know what? I'd love to take two boxes of Lucky Charms, open them up, take all the marshmallows and put them in one box and then fill the rest up with cereal and then that would be a really awesome box of lucky charms and then i'm like well you know hershey's got its own park why doesn't lucky charms have its own park like how cool would it be to be like you know marshmallow uh way or 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 you can go in like a shop and uh, a shop and get like like memorabilia and i'm like well you have the what's the lucky lucky right lucky is the 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 leprechaun yeah the the magically delicious thing and i'm like well well that'd be a weird uh theme park because it's just one cereal well wait what if you brought like tony the tiger in and all this stuff so i think what would be really cool is you make a a branded theme park on breakfast cereals you'd have to pick like general mills and post you'd have to i'd go general mills because they really have it like maybe a honeycombs lane or like a honeycombs roller coaster or or you know what we were into universal studios last week and they had six seater tubes that you can go down this giant water slide and they look like the giant honeycomb thing boom that's what i would do yes theme park uh breakfast cereal theme park that would be badass dude damn so yes i thought about that two hours ago i swear to god i was like mm, and my brain was just like mm, let me just go with this blah, blah, blah. and it just i my am record. so glad you picked that chat back so there you go that's what I would do, man. Damn, that was a good answer. That was awesome. I think you know, think promotions and and you can tag it on oh the back of gosh. boxes. I'm you coming can put, up with ideas too, you man. You can put fifty percent off tickets on on Coke cans. You I know. think you can make money off of just letting dads know why Apple Jacks taste like real apples. You you could, but think wait of, wait, it doesn't taste like apples. No, I, I just screwed up. I'm <laughs> such a dad. <laughs> that but was you official. Could, but you can. It could be like you know. You can have one. Think about all the round cereals and Fruit Loops and. Apple Jacks, you can have like those are tubes. Those are. Tubes. I mean, anything you could, but take them and they, they become like a section of the park. Like you know, that's the water park. Maybe all the tubes are that size. Oh. And and you know what you do? And the you, haunted ride for count. And this is what you do. Rather than water Chocula. in the water park, in the water park, you do you slightly uh, tint the water to make it look like milk. <laughs> I got grossed out for that by some reason. That'd be gross. That's that a little weird. That'd be weird. It's like, oh man, what's that smell? <laughs> Like, oh, sorry, we didn't change the it's, milk out. It's the only water park <laughs> all that right. fills itself. Hey, um, I might want to say hands down, to, one of the top answers of all time to any chat pack question. <laughs> Do I get to pick uh, another one? or You get one more. You get one more. Oh, great, dude. Best of luck. This is fun, man. The other one. I don't have this. I tried this before, Sam. You did? You do, tried to chat No, pack? do things like this? Like, bit, like bits? Like a little bit in the but, show? I don't always... Dude, I've tried bits on the show and they failed miserably. This is the one that keeps on going. I got it. You made me think about it. I might want to do that. I if did start doing something. If you can go back and hear my episode with Ricky from Funky Cow, we tried doing Love It or Leave It. That was uh, the last time we did Love It or Leave It. <laughs> All right, dude. What is your all-time favorite character from a full-length animated 
film. Um, what's my favorite cartoon? Think uh, that would. Pro- oh, you know what? Do uh, Optimus Prime from Transformers the movie? Oh, that was hard. Even though he got uh, he got offed. He got spanked in the beginning. I think uh, spanked in the beginning. He got killed. That's what I meant. He's you know people prefer to be spanked. Say killed, <laughs> spanked. <laughs> and then and then he turned he turned gray. I think. I, I had the opportunity to write a letter to Wire magazine when Transformers, the first full-length film, came out, the live-action movie in 2010, and they published it in their in their in their magazine. And I got a call in Maine. My wife and I and the kids were at my sister's when she was getting married up in Maine, and they called me and they said, "We'd like to put your letter in there. Do we have permission to do it?" So I have a copy of the magazine and I have the copy of the one with my letter. And I talked about how Optimus Prime, at a time when I was a kid, it was we were all latchkey kids, most of us. At 4 o'clock, when our dads were working, he was the father figure. He was a father figure to Bumblebee. He was really? a father figure to everybody in the show. People wow. followed him. So we connected. So when I hear Peter Cullen's voice, the guy who does Optimus Prime's voice, it really it's, takes me be- like it really. He it, still does it, man. He still does. He even I, we went on Universal Studios. We went to the Transformer ride. He's, he's in there too, but he he just seems to be like the guy that uh, you 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 need an Optimus Prime in your corner. And at the time when I was growing, I didn't have that. I, you know that I've talked about that on my show. You, you have to go back and listen if you're going to learn about that story. But having him, yeah, I'd probably say him, Optimus Prime. Good answer, man. Not hey, as good man. as the first one. I'm no optimist, but uh, I'm always in your corner, bro. Thanks. <laughs> Anyone you want to give a shout out to before we head out of here? Um, you know what? To be honest with you, uh, I don't know. I mean, no, I don't know. Oh, I'll, I'll let me. I mean, if you're, we're in Hamilton, and one thing I really enjoy about Hamilton, can I self promote? Is that okay? Is that is that worthy? But you are really good at that, and I'm not. If you guys want to hear what a professional does at the end and beginning of the episode, I can't shout out. Why do I want to talk about anybody else? I used to do that all the time on my podcast. I talk about me. Uh, do your thing. So uh, I uh, I have two businesses, but one is pretty much my primary business. Um, Sam and I met actually through my Dependent Independent Productions business, which is uh, I teach small businesses and up-and-coming podcasters and content creators how to create compelling content that they can put on the web video or audio and then direct them but uh, my main gig is in june i started a company called iheart painting it's a i'm a solopreneur i'm a house painter and uh, it's not just about painting it's about really giving people peace of mind and really helping people uh find the right color for their space and then making sure that color gets up on the walls uh, as convenient as possible for them, and it's an enjo- it's an enjoyable thing to do. I was an art major in college. I have a a slight eye for perfectionism, and and uh, it's it's something that can I, I can I plug you for a second. I know for a fact that this guy, if you have a painting job, he will put his heart and soul. I don't know why painting is the boringest thing I could think of in the world. And that's why my tag. I remember when I created it, I was trying to think about you know someone had said to me the first job I painted. A guy says I really hate doing that, and I thought, well, I love doing it, so. The I Heart Painting was in, was created, and my tag is I love doing what most people hate doing. And I didn't realize that when I, I occasionally uh, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, I Heart Painting NJ or on Facebook at I Heart Painting LLC, and 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 I it's at, I you can do it at I Heart Painting uh, NJ as well, where I post things on Instagram and videos and, and pictures I take on job sites. And sometimes I do videos and I'm, I'm, I, I laugh at myself because I'm thinking, who the hell wants to do what I'm doing? I mean, in the world, there's a lot of DIYs. Now, mind you, I'm a, hopefully one day I'll have a big company. Uh, but the fact I'm able to provide to my family doing what I love to do and people pay me for it is awesome. And I'm just trying to figure everything out along the way. And if you're local, I've done a lot of houses in Hamilton. I've painted a lot in Hamilton so far in the last six months. I'm actually going to be in, in Marlton and... Uh, and hopefully back in Hamilton. Actually, I'm back in Hamilton next week. Uh, but if you uh, are looking for a painter, find me. You can uh, uh, email me at iheartpaintingnj at gmail.com and, and, and let me know. Or or you can uh, find me on Instagram. And uh, I, can I say my phone number? Am I allowed to do that? It's uh, 609-515-6374. If you're looking for an estimate and you want somebody to take a look at and usually what I do is I usually go to people's homes to take a look at what they want me to do. And sometimes I say no. Sometimes I tell them I can't do it because there's only certain, you know, I'm only capable of doing certain things. But uh, when I said before about really knowing what you're good at, um, prior to me two years ago, and I'll kind of button this, kind of throw, oops, sorry, um, kind of throw it back where 
two years ago, I looked for a lot of validation, Sam. I was looking at a lot, you know, I wanted to be, because I was raised by a father who told me I wasn't good enough. And I tried to get people's attention uh, with whatever I did to tell me I was doing a good job. And it's, the irony is, is not till now, like now, I wake up every day doing something that I know I'm good at, and I don't need anyone to tell me. I don't need anyone to tell me that. I don't care if you can, I'm open to feedback. Don't get me wrong. And there's things that, you know, obviously I'm going to hold myself to a higher standard than other people, but I don't do it because I want people's feedback. Like I don't, I don't paint a house. I don't, I don't do things. I don't help people because I want you to tell me I'm a good person. I know I'm a good person, whether or not I'm doing something right or wrong. And, And that's pretty much the biggest agreement I have, the biggest metamorphosis that I get to live with every day that no matter what I do. And if 10 years from now, the painting business doesn't work out and I try something new, cool, awesome, great. That's just what I'm going to do. But I'm not going to be a prisoner. Of the I choices. see on your face. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm not on gonna, to the next. I'm not going to be the prisoners. I'm prisoner of the choices I make in my life. That's crazy. Guys, uh, if you want to talk to me or Nick, I'm, uh, we will talk about it all day long about the four agreements or uh, just, you know, our perspective on things. Uh, and uh, if you want to check out Nick, Dependent Independent Podcast, he talks all about it on so many episodes. I love it. I'm a huge fan. And this podcast wouldn't be happening if it weren't for you, man. I'm getting so dude, much because of it. Dude, wait, let me tell you something. You're dude. rocking it, dude. Well, like, well thank you, man. It. But because of this, I just I found out that uh, I've been called upon. I'm a journalist now. I'm writing in the Hamilton yeah, Gazette, the Pillars of Parenting. Uh, I'm getting to talk to the coolest people in Hamilton. Like building a brand, buddy. That's awesome. I don't know if it's a brand. It's just a. No, you're building it. It's a sweet hobby. It's no, a, it's the best hobby in the world. Yeah, why don't you just brand? There's going to there's gonna be a time when yeah, you move that from a hobby to something you actually create. Like, I don't know. Maybe all I'm saying is I'm having a great time with it and going along with the, what you said about enjoying the moment. I am enjoying an the hell yeah. out of this moment. I'm Not a hobbyist. You're more of an influencer, man. Thanks, man. Hobbyists people don't pay attention to. Influencers people pay attention to. Really? Yeah. No one pays attention to the woman that uh, collects cats down at the end of the street, but if she becomes the spokesperson for the cats conference... She's the one to go to. She's the, she becomes the influencer. All so right. that's really how you got to look at it, too. Okay. Give yourself credit. I will. <laughs> you can be humble. I get it, but... You know, give yourself credit. All right, brother. Hey, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks we'll for having me, dude. Definitely this have is to great. do it again. We only got through half of it, so it's second half for the sequel. Well, that's awesome, man. Thanks. All right, brother. Sue, welcome back to the Pillars. Thank you. We missed you. Hey, <laughs> there is an awesome event coming up yes. at your gallery. Yes. Please explain. I'm so excited. Um, December 6th, I'm going to have three different events all at one time. And it should be a lot of fun. I'm having three. A, yeah. Oh, what are it, the three? I'm having an art opening with Larry Agnello, who does assemblage art like myself, but a whole different style. And then I'm doing a grand opening of Murder of Crows Nesting Decor, my new business. And I'm giving away like 20% off on everything. And we're raffling off corner hang if you've seen oh wait you're talking about the thing in the window yeah <gasps> okay yes. guys it's official i am definitely going to be at this event let me know if you're going to be there too because it is going to be awesome you're it's not going to really want to miss pretty. it december 6th is that a friday yes friday around uh we're starting at six but you know we're going to be going for a while we're going to have some fun <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we're going to be having fun babysitter night would you say yes definitely All right. adult all right, guys, we will see you there. <laughs>